Hey, listener. So today is a special episode because it's dropping on a special day for my guest, Jenna Kutcher. Her first book, How Are You Really?, launches today. It's available. It's available at all major retailers. It's available online. Make sure you grab a copy. Jenna is such a light in this world, and we could not be more excited to celebrate her and all of her success, especially this new book. So we're jumping into the episode. Enjoy it as much as I did. I hope that you do. And when we wrap up, after you finish listening here, make sure you go and grab a copy of her new book, How Are You Really? All right, on to the episode. If you're looking for success, it's in the details. Small hinges move big doors. And now your host, Karen Allen. Hey, beautiful human. Welcome back to another episode of In the Details, where today we are going to be talking to such an inspiring and also imperfect woman. This is why we are connected, Jenna, (laughs) because you embrace your imperfections in all of its glory. And I am excited to have a conversation with you today. So thank you so much for being here with me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So Jenna, I noticed uh, that you describe yourself uh, as imperfectly empowering women. It's a place that you stand in very authentically. Please tell me a little more about that. Yeah. You know, it's so funny because I think a lot of times when someone has a platform or a business or they have some sort of position of leadership, people assume that they have it all figured out. And I feel like I approach life and business and my podcast and my book from this place of here's what I know so far. (laughs) I am a student of life. I am constantly growing and evolving and I will contradict myself. In fact, I hope I contradict myself because it means that I'm learning. And so one of the things that I always want to establish is if you're going to follow me or come along the journey in any form of the way, you're going to get the middle, like the messy middle that people refuse to show in. And that's exactly what you talk about here is what is that middle and how do we go from not looking at just before and after photos, but showing that process and the progress in the middle. And so when I show up, it's like, here's all of me. Here's what I get right. But I also get a lot of things wrong. And here's what I have no idea what I'm doing on. And even to this day, 10 years into entrepreneurship, I still feel that way. And I still lead that way. Yes. That's how we connect, right? Instead of having this pressure of trying to be so perfect, which we know is it's, we can't get to that point. That's not realistic. I do call myself a recovering perfectionist because I had (laughs) some mindset stuff I had to work through, but there's so much freedom in being honest about the process and the evolution of who you're becoming instead of trying to fix everything and curate everything just right so it comes out in this perfect package with a bow. It's so freeing. It is. And it's so funny too because I think so many people are striving for perfect or this perfect presentation of the reality. And it's like, things can look good, but does it feel good? And if you're striving for perfection, one, it probably is impossible, but two, it probably doesn't feel like a good pursuit. Like the actual journey of that is not fun. It's not enjoyable. And it's really funny to me too, because like you said, it's like, we connect more with people who aren't perfect. Like we're all kind of searching Instagram or scrolling through the worldwide web, looking to feel less alone 
alone and nothing is more isolating than feeling like you're the only person who doesn't have it all together or hasn't figured it out. And so it's like, can we not come in community together and be like, Hey, like we're doing this all the best we can. Yes. Yes. It's all about accepting that life is messy and how can we make it beautiful in the mess? And when we do that, I mean, honestly, I think that's how we can get further faster together because then we're not weighing ourselves down with all these unrealistic expectations. We just feel like we can flow. Yes, I couldn't agree more. So your background, though, is as a wedding photographer. And today you're running a multi-million dollar empire. You're also the host of the Gold Digger podcast. And essentially you're helping people to redefine success and chase their own bold dreams. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about that evolution, if you will, from your previous career to what you're doing today? Yeah. It's so funny. Somebody the other day said something about overnight success. And I was like, let's talk about over. Uh, Same (laughs) here. Same here. It has been 10 years plus in the making. I mean, really it's been my entire lifetime of experience that has led me to where I am. But really this journey started for me 10 years ago when I entered the corporate world, found myself in a windowless office and I had on paper, all the things that I desired, right? The security of a salary, a 401k, all of these things that honestly are a massive privilege these days. But at the same point too, I felt like it wasn't the right fit. I felt like there had to be something more. I couldn't imagine spending 30 plus years in this job, just waiting for retirement. And I grew up in the Midwest. I live in small town, Minnesota. My parents worked the same jobs for 30 plus years. And while I commend them for that dedication, that wasn't the fit for me. I'm not a forever job kind of person, just like I'm not a forever home kind of person. And I remember my boss gave me this five-year plan and they gave it to me. They didn't even ask me like, what do you want in five years? What do you see for yourself in five years? It was like, here it is all mapped out. Congratulations. You can get these promotions and these salary bumps, but you're also going to get more responsibilities and be required to work more. And it was like, this isn't what I want. I was climbing a ladder that I didn't even want to climb. And so I bought a camera on Craigslist, mostly just as a passion project. I felt like corporate and the whole grind of it, like ruined and stole my creativity. Like I have always been a creative being. I love, you know, the visuals and branding and I love all these things and being in this like windowless office HR job. It was like, I had no ounce of creativity. And so at the time I was planning my wedding with my husband and, um, I loved looking at wedding photos and I was like, I want to document our journey through this. I've always loved photography. And so I bought a camera and started to teach myself how to use it for myself and then started getting asked by other people, like, will you take my picture? And it made me realize one, that you can turn your passions into profits, but two, that there can be different vehicles out of where you are today. And it might not be what you expect. It was like, I didn't necessarily think I want to be a photographer. I just knew I didn't want to do the nine to five anymore. Oh, and so, man. that's yeah, actually, was, I'm going to pause you yeah, for a no, second. Go ahead. That is a great place for people to start yes. when you aren't really sure what that end result or that end goal is. And this, this was yes. me on my own healing journey. It yep. was like, I couldn't envision from the place that I was, I couldn't envision a happier version of myself or, or this whole and healthy version because I was consumed by 
by a lot of emotions tied to some trauma that I've been through. But then I remember having the epiphany of, but I refuse to be miserable. I refuse to feel unhappy. Like I'm not going to let myself stay there. And when I got really clear on who I didn't want to be, it became easier to make decisions that aligned with who I actually want to be. I love how you did reverse engineered that. Yeah, because I think too, it's like nowadays we see, you know, those posters on the wall or the memes or the tweets or the pins on the Pinterest that say like, pursue your passions and you'll never work a day. And it's like, what if we aren't passionate anymore? Like, what if there is no passion in our lives? And I think for a lot of people, we're facing a like pandemic of burnout, like really, truly of like, people just don't even know what is the passion in their lives? Where is it? And it's like, Sometimes if you don't know where to start with what you want, start with what you don't want, where you don't want to go. And I think that has really led me oftentimes more than the passion because the passion comes when I get the time back because I've said, I don't want this other thing. Right. And so I went on to become a wedding photographer, taught myself every ounce of that job within three years had grown a six figure photography business was a top wedding photographer in the state of Wisconsin for four years straight. But again, I found myself climbing another ladder this time one I had created. So it was like, I, I quit playing like the corporate, but I didn't quit the game. Like I kept the hustle game and, um, I just recognize that I was in this business of trading time for money. And if I didn't show up, I wouldn't get paid. And we went through some life experiences and growing our family that really kind of brought me back to earth of like, what do I want? And like, how do I want my life to be fueled by my business and not to be revolving around it. And that really transformed things for me. So that was when I started exploring this online world, started realizing like I knew things and did things differently than a lot of other artists and creatives and photographers. Maybe I can teach those things that allowed me to do that. And it really opened up the world of digital marketing, online courses, and the Gold Digger podcast, which was grown in my garage with iPhone headphones, sitting in my car, hitting record nervously. And so the journey has been a long one. It's had a lot of pivots and twists and turns, but it has really been fueled by this idea of alignment and having this peaceful pursuit in what it is that I want for the season that I'm in. Mm, For the season that I'm in is key also. I think we often will, when we pick a career, I mean, I don't know about you, but um, I had this moment of reflection and now I share this with audiences. I'm like, I really think that our, our juice boxes were spiked when we were younger about checking off these boxes that will help us to live this perfect life. Mm-hmm. But as we go through different seasons in life, what we want or what we need or what we prioritize will continue to evolve based yes. on the experience that we're currently living through. It's right. way different to be single and build your life around you just being single than if you are a mama of one or multiple children, or, or if you want to travel or if you want to be home-based, I mean, there's so many different iterations of life, but I think what you really hit the nail on was like, you paid attention and you had this intrinsic motivation that became your guide that actually gave you that space to evolve as life was unfolding, which is beautiful. And one thing that you did that I love because it just resonates so much with me. When I decided to pursue this path of being an entrepreneur, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be my own boss and I'm going to be like, you know, mom boss. It actually, it was very much centered around the desire to have the freedom and flexibility to always put my child first. Yes. 
I wanted to be, if I'm going to be a single mama, I'm going to be the best single mom I could be. And I didn't choose to be one, but I found myself there and I wanted to maximize the moment that I was in. And I started to be more aware of what work-life integration would look like. You know, balance is a funny word. I like to say I strive for that imperfect balance, but I I find that when it comes to my career, and being a mom, I do want those things to integrate. And I, you call it the blend. And I saw a yes. really great photo. Oh my goodness, yes. girl. When I saw this photo, I was like <laughs> giving you the snap. So I just want you to know. There's this photo on your Instagram page where you are legit mic'd up presenting. Yep. And the first row, there's some men sitting there and they're all leaning men, in, right? Oh, okay. The, this all is men, a Tony though, yeah. Robbins event, nonetheless. So they're leaning in, listening to you. And not only are you mic'd up, but you got a baby strapped to your chest. Yep. <laughs> your baby. Like this isn't yep. an exercise. This was real life. And yeah. part of that caption said, I'm lucky that what I've built allows me to do both. Can you mm-hmm. like tell us, talk to us about that work-life integration, how you've how you've created that for yourself? Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating because that is my desire is to do all the things that I love and motherhood is a massive part of that, but I also love my work. I'm just cut in a way that I want both. And I have this line in my book that's like you can have it all, but it's up to you to decide what it all is. And for me, it's like right now in this season of life, I feel so stretched thin, but it's only because I love both things so much. And it's a lot of love to carry, right? So I have a little one who's just six months old and a three and a half year old. And, you know, it's crazy because we're kind of a package deal at this day and age. If you want me somewhere, you're going to invite my family along because these moments are so precious and you know, I'm choosing to breastfeed and things like that, where it's like, okay, this is a little bit different. And at that event, um, it was like a 10 hour day and my husband and other daughter were along, but I was like, what are we going to do with the baby? And so I literally brought her baby bed, white noise and monitor and found a quiet room for her. And I would feed her and sit with her and then put her down for her nap and then get up and rinse and repeat. And so when I was getting up to speak, right when she was waking up from her nap. And I was like, all right, well, I can either hand her off to someone, which is viable, or I can show the people that are watching this, what it looks like to do what we say we're going to do. And so it was fascinating. And Quinn is a very easy, wonderful baby. And so not all moms can, can step up to the mic in that way and feel confident. Um, but it was beautiful. And it's funny because it was a Tony Robbins event. And, um, this is nothing new for me and Tony, because, years ago when my, my first daughter was nine months old, we went to Fiji and, and he had invited me there. And I was the only woman among 10 men and I had a nine month old. And I said, can she come with? And I remember his team just being like, we've never seen a mom, like just show up like this. It's so cool. And so now he's like, Oh, that's this bag of tricks. You've done this one before. <laughs> oh, that's uh, Jenna. She's a package it's, so, <laughs> it's so good because I think it just shows a lot of women. There's not enough messaging out there. And I feel like we are in such a polarizing time where it's almost like you have to choose. And it's like, we're expected to mother. Like we don't have careers and we're expected to work. Like we're not mothers. And it's like, we're constantly living in this balance of trying to make sure that everything is equal when really it's like the blend is required. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And there's always going to be some sort of sacrifice, but I, I agree. I don't think that we live in a day and time 
where we should be expected to sacrifice so much when really flexibility creates that space for us to be able to do both. I saw a great um, Instagram post and it was a woman who was on her laptop and uh, she was cooking dinner and she said, this is what work-life integration looks like for me. Being able to cook dinner for my family at four o'clock from home while yes, still taking a meeting because we shouldn't have to choose, especially when we are freaking powerful. We can do it all. (laughs) Yes, we can. You know, it's funny too, because I think that with the pandemic, if people were fortunate enough to work from home, we recognize that like, it's not really possible to like be different versions of ourselves and shape shift our way through the day. It's, we can't be, you know, the mama Jenna and the career Jenna and the wife Jenna and all these things separately. We have to figure out a way to show up as our whole selves because I would find myself on a zoom call and then a minute later nursing a little one. And then, you know, tending to a toddler's knee scrape and it was all happening in a matter of minutes. And if we were shape shifting ourselves through the day, we would be exhausted and And so I think that the pandemic, if you were able to work from home, you recognized that in working and living and cooking and breathing and resting and doing all these things under one roof, you are a whole human being that should be invited to the table, not just the pieces of you that people want. Right. Absolutely. And we can't turn it off. I think what we found is that at least what I found is that I can't turn off the mom part of me, but when I'm giving a keynote, I'm just leading with a different role. I'm just leading with a different sense of self. I'd never turn those other parts off. Um, Especially because as you mentioned, and this is something that resonates deeply with me, I'm a student of life. So the things that I'm going to learn as I'm teaching my son and helping him to develop a growth mindset is going to help you too, dear executive, (laughs) as you are trying to build it. Kids are the best teachers ever, especially when we think about like, what kind of world do we want them to grow up in? It's like, how am I doing that in my own life? How am I leading that? How am I implementing that? If I want you to be creative, how am I honoring my creativity? If I want you to be inclusive, how am I inviting inclusivity into my life? And it's like the best mirror of, you know, kids do what you do, not what you say. And so it's like, how am I doing the things that I want them to mirror? Yes. And I think that is like the greatest challenge as a leader. Absolutely. So, okay. Well, that brings up a question then, because I, I don't know if you recognize this, yours are still a little, but I know yeah. you're already dropping gems of wisdom into them. They're very lucky to have you as their mama. Um, but I have found you know, we get this question, what advice would you give your younger self? And I find that the advice I'd give my younger self, I'm giving to my son right now. Yes. (laughs) So a different version of the question I have for you is if you could reunite with your younger self, what advice would you give her? You know, what's funny is I feel like she might be able to give me better advice. Ooh. Um, I once did this exercise and I feel like it's, it's usually, you know, what would you tell your younger self? But there is this exercise that I did. And it was like, what would your younger self be sad to know that you let go or what parts of you, you let go. Mm. And I think a lot of times when I think about my success or whatever the world will call it, I think that I am most successful when I channel that little unashamed girl who had that confidence and that belief and didn't hide and didn't play small. And, you know, and so it's funny because I think oftentimes we want to, you know, teach backwards, but I'm like, I think our little selves knew a lot more than we give them credit for. And I think the world's noise can dampen some of those parts of us that really are integral for us 
to grow and to strive and to achieve. And so I often think back to my little self who was like, just so outgoing. I'd walk up to people and be like, hi, I'm Jenna, J E N N A. Want to be my friend? And it's like, how can we would have been friends? Cause that was that. <laughs> yes. I'm like, I want to channel more of that into my life than the self, you know, of the adult world that we find ourselves in. Absolutely. So when you think back then about how you have grown your business and how it has gone from where it was to where it is, and, e- and even the vision of where you're taking it, I mean, yeah. there's so many lessons that are in there. Um, but is there a pivotal moment in your business that you'll never forget? Oh, there's so many. Um, I want to talk about the moment of burnout because we talked about this before. And I think that it can really apply to anyone. Um, But it has to do with pursuing other people's versions of success. And that's why I think redefining success for yourself is so important. I remember it was my third year into wedding photography. We were living in Wisconsin. So the wedding season was really between May and October. It was like condensed to six months before winter hit. And I had this elusive goal of six figures and I was just striving, striving, striving. And I remember the day that I hit it like for that year. And I remember just thinking, I thought this would feel different. Like I thought it would feel like freedom. I thought I would be excited. I thought it would feel important. And like, really, I'm just exhausted. And it was this really interesting breakthrough because I think a lot of people are out there trying to achieve this ideal of success or something that sounds successful and they're not really staying in touch with their feelings. And I don't know about you as a mom, but like, I'm constantly telling my daughter, like, it's okay to feel your feelings. Like I think a lot of us suppress that in the journey. And we're like, maybe once I arrive, it'll feel good. But I had arrived at this place where I was like, I don't even like the view here. Like, I don't like what this is looking like for my life. And Um, the next day my husband came home from work. He was stocking wine on shelves and grocery stores. And I was like, you know, I was so much happier when I made $50,000 a year, when I had weekends and time with friends and I wasn't missing opportunities and things. And it was just this big wake up call of like, I want success to feel good, not sound good. And what was so fascinating is, is after that discussion, um, I decided I'm going to go back to earning 50 K I'm going to draw a line in the sand, say enough is enough. I'm going to establish what that enough point is. And I did that. And in doing that, it freed up time as my currency. And it was like the scales had tipped from money being the most important thing to like, how do I get back my time? Like my time is my life. And when I did that, it was when I finally had the bandwidth and the time and the capacity and the energy to be creative and curious again, to explore again. And that's when this whole other world opened up for me. And what was crazy about it was, is in my pursuit of going back to $50,000 a year, like my corporate job, I actually ended up scaling to almost a million dollars because I was figuring out ways to work smarter, not harder, but also ways that were using my gifts in a way that could do something once and serve many. And it just shifted everything for me. So that was probably my most memorable decision that I made in my business where I started to value time more. And in that pursuit of time, I ended up unlocking an freedom that I still possess to this day that to me now success looks like that. It doesn't sound like any numbers or bank accounts. It's literally that feeling. And I want to feel that every single day in this pursuit. Absolutely. I remember having a similar moment because I wasn't making the money that I needed to and that I wanted to. And my confidence was rocked because of it. And I'm like, this is terrible. I am going to fail. This is horrible. But I remember this very specifically. I 
instead of looking at the lack of money that was in my bank account and using yeah. that number yeah. to then justify my success, I asked myself, how does your life feel? Yes. Yes. And it felt so simple and so full. And after, yeah. when I realized that, because I could be at every birthday party for my son, I could pick him up whenever the nurse called me. I could do, we could do what we needed to. And were we taking lots of vacations? Was I doing like spa days? None of that. I mean, yeah. talk about very, very minimal. We were lean. I was shoestringing it with the business. Yeah. It was all of that. But life felt so full. Mm. And yeah. from that point on, business grew. It was crazy. crazy. It was like, it's I, so crazy. It's so crazy. It's the difference I, between forcing something and flowing with something. And I think a lot of times we get stuck with that because we want things so bad or we're achievers or we're output obsessed. And it's like, there's a difference between that ease translating into success versus working from a place of stress. Absolutely. And and part of what helps us to create that reality is going back to what you said earlier, getting really, really clear on the quality of life that you want. Yes. Because maybe the quality of life that you are really trying to create has is not the one that has to come with the six figure income. Yeah. Where, you know, there are other ways to enjoy. I mean, money is a great tool to do good things, yeah. but it's not the end all be all of your success. Yes. When you find that your success is tied more to the quality of life you have, that's when I think you're really winning. Yeah. It was interesting after I had my first daughter because I remember wondering and feeling like, you know, am I ruining my career? Am I going to become irrelevant if I slow down? Am I going to lose momentum? All of these things. And I think a lot of people believe that whether it's a life shift or a career shift or an identity shift or whatever that is. And I remember talking to a friend because I had gotten together with some really ambitious women and they were talking about like, I'm going to be speaking on these stages and I'm going to be doing this and writing this book and doing all these things. And I remember thinking like, I just want to like love my family really well in this season and be as present to like the gift of motherhood that I can. And I remember feeling broken. Like, did I lose my mojo? Like what happened? And what was so interesting to me is I was telling someone about this and he said to me, he's like, Oh, Jenna, like you are a lifestyle entrepreneur. Like you need to embody that and own that there are achievement based entrepreneurs and lifestyle entrepreneurs achievement based are the people that are always hungry for more. They're always in pursuit and they really like get that drive and that energy off of doing more. And then there are people who simply do it for the lifestyle and not for a lavish lifestyle, but for the lifestyle, like we talk about that freedom, that choice, that convenience, that peace. And ever since I knew that I've just like really honored that and been like, yeah, that opportunity sounds really great, but it's not in alignment with what I want my life to be. And it makes saying no a lot easier. It sure does. And it helps you to make better decisions because it's aligning with who you want to be and how you want to live. Yes. Amen. Mm. Now, as we go through this though, I mean, you just mentioned that you had a moment where you were questioning yourself if you've lost things. and, And I know that not only as a business owner, but certainly as a mom, um, my overthinking has gone from maybe like 25% to like 75 to a hundred in some days. Right. And so the battlefield is in the mind. Can you share a challenging moment that you were able to reframe and how that benefited your growth? Yeah. You know, I think part of it is really feeling this pull in my life to slow down 
and honoring that without all of those fears that we mentioned. And what I found is that a lot of women are taught from a very early age. And I know this because I have daughters where we're conditioned to think that our big break is around the corner and that someone else is going to give us our big break. And that turns us into yes, people like we are always saying, yes, we don't want to disappoint people. We don't want to miss our big break. We don't want to miss out on an opportunity. And there's this lie specifically, I think for women in entrepreneurship, where momentum is this thing that we think once we have it, we can't lose it. Cause if we lose it, we're done, but we forget. And we fail to recognize that like what has gotten us this far will carry us forward. Like you can press the brake and still remember where the gas pedal is. And that is something that I've had to really like honor because I have little ones and they're only going to be little for so long. And I'm in this place in my life where I'm like, yes, I want to do both, but I want them both to be peaceful. Yes, I care about my work, but I recognize this very short window of time that I'm going to have with my kids at home with me. And so I've had to really embody this belief of like, what has gotten me this far will carry me forward. And it's not going anywhere. It's within me. It is me. And when I'm ready to hit the accelerator back full steam ahead, I'll be there. And if that never happens, that's okay too. But so many women are taught that like momentum was given to us or gifted to us or that it happened or it was luck. And we need to really embody this notion that like what we've created is going to carry us forward and that it's always there. It's always been there. We don't need anyone else to give us our big break. We've created them on our own thus far. And I think that's huge. Mm, It sounds like a a challenging moment that we've all been familiar with. And that's unlearning some of the belief systems that have been ingrained in us. And part of that unlearning is reframing it to really see the truth that will allow us to embody more of what is possible for us. Because the things that we either they've been taught to us or we just picked them up along the way, or sometimes they're projected onto us as well. And we decide to pick it up and we're carrying it for too long. The process of unlearning and undoing those things, that is, it is, it takes a lot of energy, but more so it takes intentionality. The energy comes because you have to continue to reframe. You have to remind yourself, no, I am who I am. I trust myself. I know myself, but it still pops up because we're human. And so when these things pop up, that's when the intentionality comes in to say, hold on, how much power am I giving this thought or this habit I've relied on for too long or this belief that was projected on? How much energy am I giving there? Okay, now it's time for me to shift away from it. And I found that I've actually been able to shift quicker when I practice self-love more often. How do you practice self-love? Yeah, it's been really fascinating because I am in the busiest work season of my life in four years. So since I became a mom and it's happening right now, and I was just actually talking to my husband because earlier this year, after I had my second daughter, I just had this word of the year and I was like, I want to feel vibrant. I don't care what I look like. I don't care about the bounce back culture, the baby weight or any of that. I just want to feel vibrant. And 
I am someone who, when I am like preparing for busy season, a lot of times I look for comfort in places. So whether that's food or Netflix or whatever, and this time around, I was like, it has to be different because I want to be energetically available to my kids, but also to the work and what is required of me. And so it's been really wild because even this morning, my daughter woke up before the alarm, before we were getting up. And I said, all right, let's go do yoga. Like if you're awake, you're coming with me. Um, and I even contradict myself, even from a few months ago where I was like, oh, I don't meditate. Now I like meditate all the time. And it's things like that where I'm like, again, I'm proud of the contradiction because I'm growing and learning, but I've been recognizing that, you know, I used to take what was my most productive hour and just dive right into work. And now I use that time to really set myself up for the day energetically, whether it's sitting in front of a red light or meditating or doing yoga and starting with that first, instead of using whatever drops are left over. And we've all heard that you can't pour from an empty cup thing, but a lot of us don't live that way. We don't get it. And I feel like for the first time in my life, I get it and I feel more energized and aligned than ever before. Like I feel vibrant and that changes how you show up in every area of your life. So it's like, why did it take me this long to understand it? (laughs) But I'm glad that I'm here right now. Yes. So starting your day, how you start your day with intentionality. That's you know, there's so many different posts in Pinterest about owning your day, but it, it really does begin with how you start that day. And I had the same uh, mental barrier around meditation. I remember I was like, we're supposed to not think, how do you yeah. do that? Like what yeah. kind of sorcery is that? And finally, once I went through a really great um, program and it was, you know, at my own pace, but the yeah. way that he taught how to meditate and the and honestly it was a, again a reframe on yep. what meditation is yep. just as you mentioned i could be at a red light and i will take a mindful moment and mm-hmm. i will meditate even with my eyes open oh yeah because we know now how to drop in and then what happens actually to circle back this was not planned but it all comes full circle doesn't it when you're completely aligned with one yes. another is what we were talking about earlier about the work life blend yes because you could be in between running your kids to practice or going from practice to a meeting or whatever it is. And when you build your wellness into those days, then you start to experience not just sustainable energy, but I like to say sustainable joy. Yes. Like you, I I always was like, I can't meditate. There's a chapter in my book called my soul Shavasana, where it talks about how, when I used to do yoga, I hated Shavasana because I couldn't be still with myself. Like I, my brain was so busy, like laying flat on my back for five minutes just felt like torture. And now I'm like, could I Shavasana for like eight hours straight? That would be really great. Um, but I had the same reframe because I always thought that meditation was like having an empty mind. And I was like, my mind is so full and it's really about noticing and honoring your thoughts, but releasing them. And that changes everything. And it's like the art of meditation. Like you're actually really good at meditation for the achievers out there. If you are thinking, but you're learning how to release them. And so it's like, it, it totally changed the game for me. And it was really just like this release, like this surrender of this notion of like what it means to, but also just like how to breathe a little deeper, how to like sink into the moment, how to pay attention to how something feels, whether it's the clothes on your body or your weight on the ground or your feet on the earth. And it's like so simple. But I also think too, that when we talk about this integration, this blend piece, it's like, 
okay, daughter, if you're going to wake up early, then you're going to either do yoga or sit quietly while I do yoga and showing her that like, this is not a negotiable item. Like this is a part of our lives Mm -hmm. and you can welcome it however you want to. Um, but you're going to be a part of this. And today she was like, can I do yoga with you? So she was like literally on my mat, like in her PJs right next to me. And it's like, this is it. Like, this is what I want to be embodied. And this is the spirit that I want my children to have regardless of the method or the modality that they choose. Yes. What a fortunate time we live in right now where we, I really believe that we are a part of this healing generation because what we're learning and we're passing down to our kids is going to equip them for the roller coaster of life in a way that I certainly was not. And I have great parents, but I mean, we just know better now so we can do better and we're teaching them how to even live better. Yeah. Uh, I I just feel very level of consciousness and awareness, Mm -hmm. which is absolutely, absolutely. Finish the sentence for me. Yeah. Happiness is peace. How peace do you find in my peace? life, in my work, like looking at my calendar and being excited about what I see, you know, living a life that's better offline than what people see online. It's just this idea of peace and, and enjoying it and not pushing it. I think I used to look at being content as being complacent. And now I see contentment as the goal of just being here now and embodying all the blessings while still striving in a peaceful way. Um, but I, I want to be content. I desire to be content. I think it's the most beautiful message we can get in a world that is telling us that we don't have enough or we aren't enough as human beings. Absolutely. Oh, I am right there with you, sister. I love that. Your new book, How Are You Really? I love it. Living Your Truth One Answer at a Time. Tell our listeners about this brand new gem. Isn't, I mean, I, I've been through this experience. Isn't yeah. publishing a book like birthing another it's baby? Oh, literally. Like it people is, say it? that and I was pregnant and giving birth during the process. So I basically call my youngest and the book twins. Like yes. they are twins because they were born at the same time. <laughs> um, I literally handed in my final manuscript days before I gave birth oh and um, it was wild, but I am so excited about this book that it is getting into people's hands. It is not another self-help book of like how to be more like me or a five-step process. It's about how to come home to yourself and that childlike confidence that was robbed from us, however it was, um, and how to really like be happy in your home. That is your body. It talks about career and relationship and community and body image and all of the discussions that we really have when somebody that we love leans in and we feel safe enough to answer that question of how are you really that's in those pages. I'm so proud of it. I'm so excited for it to be out there. Um, and I am just really excited to watch people just come home to themselves. Yeah. What a beautiful way to describe this project. I, I definitely, uh, cannot wait to dive all the way in. Thank you, Jenna, for being all of you and for sharing who you are with the world. We need a lot more Jenna Kutcher's around us. So thank you for being with us today, for blessing our listeners with an incredible uh, few minutes of just wisdom. But I encourage everybody to go get the book, How Are You Really? by Jenna Kutcher. It is at all major retailers near you. Jenna, thank you so much for hanging out today. Thank you for having me. This has been In the Details. If you like the show, tell a friend. 
For more shows like this, go to success.com slash podcast.